Chapter 19. Polo Pink They trotted and strolled towards Polo Pink. The journey was slow because Edward stopped often to eat tree foliage. The conversations varied in topic. Flash and Wraith shared polar opposite experiences to each other. Jane talked at length to Prima about life inside her box and Katie, under the watchful eye of Betsy, chatted to Mickey. Lynx and Ajax had become immersed in a slippery world of fishing, narrated by Alec, who was excited because unusually he had keen listeners. "'You know we fairies love to fly. Why don't you try?' said Jane to Prima. Prima, from within her box, looking through the half-removed lid, said, "'I used to fly, but I think I've forgotten now.' "'You never forget. Your wings might be weak, but the strength will soon come back.' Why don't you try? I don't need to any more. I'm happy in my box. When you fly, you see the world from a new perspective. You're missing out. I've seen the world from Huey's magazines. He'd leave them behind in the stable after he sneaked out of mucking out. The world is more than pictures. It's about feeling and being part of it. The world is a dangerous place. My box protects me. Are you happy in there? I don't know. I don't feel happy or sad. So you feel only one emotion? Yes. The music you sing is full of emotions. Don't you want to be the same? Prima pondered for a while and said, I'm not a fairy anymore. I've not been a fairy for seasons. What are you then? A sing box. No, that's where you live. But you, honey, are still very much a fairy. You've just forgotten. Before the box, what did you want to be? It's been so long I've forgotten. Those dreams vanished when the lid shut. Prima, you need to discover them. You no longer have to be a sing-box fairy. You can leave. I can leave? Yes, what's stopping you? Prima closed her lid shut. Jane heard an amplified sobbing coming from the box. Upon hearing her distress, Jane pleaded for her to come out. Betsy, who was now guiding Edward, strolled alongside Evie, where Jane fluttered, trying to reason with Prima. Mickey and Katie were locked in conversation, shouting from cat to elephant about parties they both loved. Honey, leave it for a little while. You've said some truths. I think that has an effect. And now she's dealing with it, said Betsy, high up on Edward. Jane fluttered to her eye level and said, Do you think she will be okay? Yes, she's still talking. It's when they stop you have to worry. I'm never worried about this one behind me because he never stops. Jane looked at Mikey, who was deep in a yapping conversation with Katie, and whispered, Do you mind them talking so much? Ah, no, I appreciate the break from listening. Oh, you see, said Jane with a giggle, you're not like most women I know. They'd get so jealous. He's got verbal diarrhoea. That's how I met him. He yapped non-stop to me. I don't want him to change. I love his qualities. What others does he have? When he's not holding wild mud parties, he's kind and sensitive. He calls me his mud princess. I've never had a boyfriend. I almost did once, but he said I was too bossy. Betsy laughed. Yeah, they all say that. Try not to set them too many rules or they will always be breaking them. You want your man to figure out the rules for himself. Like train himself? Ah, <laughs> yes, then you can offer him biscuits for being a good boy. 
biscuits. All men love treats. Cook him dinner, tickle his head, support him on his mad ideas. What does he do for the biscuits? I love it when he takes me out for romantic walks, listens to what he calls my friend's dramas and watches me shoe shop until sunset. It sounds like you give him jammy dodgers and he gives you custard creams and you both get fat with love. Betsy snorted with laughter and said, I guess we are each other's biscuit bakers. Before the sun had set, they all could see in the distance half a dozen horses galloping and trotting with uniformed riders. Lynx from Blue's back cried, Polo Pink, we're here. We caught the end of the game. Their full-time whistle blows at sunset. The caravan of Hawaiian shirt revellers reached the edge of the pitch. There were no boundaries to the pitch, but just a few railings, so all spectators could be close to the action. But one would have to refrain from being too close, as there were horses, sticks and a ball to watch out for. Down the east side of the pitch was a long marquee, which ran adjacent to most of the pitch. At the end of the marquee was a large old stoned country mansion. That building looks straight out of a Jane Austen novel, said Katie, pointing to the mansion with excitement. The group couldn't relate. Who's Jane Austen? asked Jane with intrigue. She was a famous writer on earth. Her novels helped me escape. Can you tell me one of her stories? Katie replied enthusiastically. Yes, I know Pride and Prejudice like the back of my hand. That shall have to wait, said Wraith, holding up Katie's time for all to see. They dismounted their animals and laid them to rest at the end of the pitch. The marquee was a canvas roof supported by large gold tent poles. Under its canvas shelter were several hundred well-dressed men and women. I think we're a little underdressed for this, said Katie anxiously. Nah, the game is open to all, but the evening party, well, that's a little more tricky, said Lynx, whilst scratching his chin. Yeah, let's just rock up there. I know how to work this lot, said Ajax, with a cheeky optimism. From under the canopy came rounds of well-timed rhythmic applause. Flash, under his breath, said, Posh people, even clap posh. Ajax led the way, followed by an apprehensive Katie, confident Betsy and a reluctant Flash. From the rear near the country mansion, they entered the marquee discreetly. The canvas roof dimmed the sun. To hatch a plan, the group clustered in a huddle. Groups of finely dressed women in large hats, short summer dresses and large sunglasses conversed politely and sipped busy drinks. They were entertained by pockets of circling men dressed in boater shoes, neatly ironed white and pastel-coloured shirts tucked into knee-high shorts. Keen comedic men made the women roar with laughter. Rubbing his hands together, Lynx said, This is the who's who of Vestavia. To be honest, this isn't my sort of thing, but I'm sure someone here has tickets to trade for the finale. They were interrupted by a man dressed in a super white iron shirt. His brown curly hair was combed back and held in place by a pair of branded sunglasses. He said in a posh accent, Hey guys, are you lost? Sadly not, said Wraith. Awesome. For a moment, I thought you were surfers, and I'd say the beach is due west. And he laughed boisterously to himself. Yeah, we're the in-house entertainment, said Alec, smiling to himself. The man paused and thought. He then tried to contain a grin. Ah, oh, no way. What's your act? Hennes said he had a trick up his sleeve, that old party sausage. Katie, using her experience of dealing with such men, said... That would be telling, wouldn't it? 
What's your name? Oh, gosh, how rude. Yes, my name is Rupers. Nice shades, Rupers. Where did you get them? Oh, these, yeah. These bad boys are from Earth. And before anybody could react, he said, I know, right. Super rare. That's typical me. I love quirky things. And the shoes? she asked. Oh, these knockabouts. These are daddies from his special collection. I know where he hides his key. And he snorted with laughter. Rupert's smile was now larger than Lynx's. You guys are so cool. Let me introduce you to some of my pals. Katie turned to the others and gave a knowing wink. Rupert's gripped her hand and led her to the nearest finely dressed group. Rupert's interrupted the hooting half a dozen crowds and said, Hey, hey, guys, look who I've just met. And Rupert's pointed to Katie and the seven other Hawaiian dressed group and Jane resting on Wraith's shoulder. Most stopped talking and fixed a scrutinising look on them. A tall blonde lady wearing a short blue summer dress glanced at both Betsy and Katie and said in Wraith's direction, Boys, boys, I hope you are the entertainment. And a couple of the men scanned Wraith and Ajax and then said in Katie's direction, Ladies, you're without bubbles. Let's fix this. The groups mixed and conversations formed, Wraith found himself deep in a one-way conversation with Rupert about the best investment vehicles for time. Katie and Betsy sipped bubbles whilst being entertained with a joke every earth minute from the men. Lynx and Flash stood at the back, quietly observing Ajax moving between groups acquainting himself. Katie and Betsy were encircled by the group of Rupert's male friends, who all spoke and listened to Katie intently. She intuitively managed to make them all feel important. Betsy, who was more recently accustomed to mud parties, let Katie take the lead. Mikey, Lynx and Flash grew bored and left to watch the last few moments of the polo match. Horses carrying riders holding mallets surged up and down the long pitch. Mallets clashing with the wooden ball echoed around the darkening late evening sky. Flash crossed his arms and leant on a spectator fence. Lynx stated, I don't really understand polo. It's quite simple, really. Hit the ball and don't cross the line, said Flash. Have you ever played? Nah, but I love horses, so I've watched it. That energy that's coming from the horses and players is immense. I can feel they're totally connected to one another. Horses can feel you, bro. Boy, that man just smashed the top goal, said Flash, whilst watching the pink team score to equalise. Do you miss your horse? Yeah, man. She's the reason I became a path man. The boss gave me a horse and I once rode her. I couldn't leave the group. A Mustang can never be given up. What was her name? She was called Jenna. Everyone wanted that horse, but if they tried, she'd throw him off. She was loyal to the oof. Was it just Jenna where you stayed? Nah, I had no place to be. No man would give me a job, and I had no fam. What else was there? So, were the pathmen like your family? More than that, bro. They were everything. When the posse rode, we'd go anywhere, and nothing could stop us. Why did you leave? They stopped riding my way. Where did you want to go? Somewhere for me. I'm going to be a champion boxer someday. But right now, I'm going to play polo. You're crazy, man. Polo Pink has strict rules about who plays. I'm an exception, bro. And Flash jumped over the rail. 
Can you even play? shouted Lynx. I'm a quick learner. And Flash ran down the edge of the pitch towards a man holding a few reserve polo ponies. Lynx watched Flash shake his hand and animate himself. The man reciprocated and very shortly they were both laughing and talking. What's he saying? said Alec. I don't know, but I feel a good vibe, said Lynx. Both teams broke for a chucker, break in play. Lynx and Alec watched Flash intensely. The four large ponies trotted back. The player who wore the number one shirt strutted back with his mallet held high. He had just scored the equalising goal. The horse handler gripped the reins of the number one's pony and muttered a few words. He then trotted towards Flash. Flash stroked the pony's head and reached up and high-fived the rider. Muffled laughing and banter could be heard and the rider gave way for Flash to mount his horse. Flash is going to play, said Lynx alarmed. The handler released a small green bird that flew to the commentary box that operated the loud PA system. Over a tannoy, the commenter said, For the last chucker of the game, we've had an unexpected rider change. Flash will be wearing the number one shirt for the pink team. One chucker left means a goal either side could win the season's final game. Lynx cackled and laughed. Alec was confused, so Lynx explained. It looks like Flash has bagged a chance to play in the most crucial part of the game. He's immune to pressure. Alec stared in awe. He has no fear. The announcement generated a sweeping amount of interest. All from within the marquee came out to watch the last interval. Katie tapped Lynx's back. Lynx swivelled around in a flamboyant fashion to see, led by Katie, a large crowd had gathered behind him. Where did all these people come from? he gasped. I've just met them, said Katie with glee. Katie Wraith and all the others were back together, each with a collection of men and women dressed in full polo spectator attire and drinks in hand. Katie told her new crowd that playing for the pink team in the number one jersey was Flash, their friend. Go Flashy baby, shouted one man, spilling his champagne as he gestured towards the pitch. Flash donned a pink team jersey and rode a large pony furiously up and down the pitch. He kept to his position, closest to opposing goal. Mallets clashed and hooked each other, and the ponies lengthened their stride, causing the game to intensify. Flash rode and wove around the opposing ponies with ease. "'Your man can certainly ride. He's showing the others up,' said one man in a pale pink shirt with his hair gelled back. Lynx replied, I guess that's what you learn from being on the path. Path? I wish riding Daddy's mule to croquet would teach me that. The sun's last rays formed a red belt on the grassy horizon. The match was soon to come to an end. Flash surged forward after receiving the ball from his number two. The opponent's number four rode up alongside him and tried to barge his pony from the line of the ball. The crowd roared in anticipation. Flash steadied his pony efficiently and remained in line. He drew his mallet and the crowd gasped. Whack! The ball, having been hit cleanly, sailed straight through the posts of the opposing goal. Ding! The last chucker bell rang. The sun had set, which meant the pink team finished the match as winners. A deafening chaotic clapping sounded from all spectators, followed by several excitable bravos, which led to the spilling of many champagnes and then concluded with lots of, I'm dreadfully sorry. Alec, who was delighted for Flash, shouted, Like a salmon avoids the paws of a bear in a mountain river, you, Flash, send the fish safely through the goal. 
Flash trotted up to the railings where Katie and the others stood and said, Now, that's a proper clap. He grinned in satisfaction and to the crowd he clicked his fingers. Some spectators tried to copy him but poshly failed. After a few glasses of bubbles and chin-wagging, the crowd began to disperse. Flash embraced his team and shook their hands in several playful ways, then returned from the field. Katie noticed Wraith, looking in all directions, and asked, What are you looking for? The event is over. We must find something to trade. Lynx, what should we look for that we don't have already? asked Katie. Lynx scratched his head and thought, I think all we have so far is your rugby ball. That has to be worth at least two entries. We have twelve people, said Katie. Wraith raised his voice and said, The two people who must have entry are okay. The other six and three animals will have to keep looking. For being our guide, we ought to find one for Lynx. Everyone is going, Wraith, snapped Katie. Katie, the quest has two objectives, saving the palace and returning you home. I'm glad I'm the priority, Katie said sarcastically. Wraith shook his head and said, Since we met, I've clearly stated what we must do. I can get two people in, Flash said calmly. How? asked Katie. I've got these. Flash raised a mallet and the winning ball in either hand. Well, that's an entry for you and one other, said Wraith. Nah, I'll give these to whoever needs them first, Flash said. Wraith was subtly surprised by Flash's selfless offer. Katie patted Flash on the back and said, OK, so we have one entry for four of us, only eight more things to go. Wraith scowled and said, Your time will ultimately decide on that. Yes, but we still have time to be thoughtful to others, said Katie. Rupert, who was listening within the huddle, reached into his pockets and pulled out a shiny card. In a plumy voice, he said, Here, madam. You can have mine. Daddy won it in the croquet club raffle. I expect one day he'll win again. Wraith was again surprised by witnessing such goodwill. Katie thanked and hugged him. Rupert smiled, blushed and immediately swigged his champagne to calm himself. Enjoying the limelight, Rupert went on to explain that the Polo Pink nightclub was called the Mansion Club and was run independently from the Polo Club, which meant they set their own rules. He said many of the polo team and sons of people with plenty of time will be there, some of whom should have tickets and items which can be traded. Rupert offered to dress everybody with the best attire he could get. His daddy ran a tailor tent next to the mansion for such a purpose. The marquee emptied fast and Rupert led his crowd to the tailor tent. On the way to the tent, they noticed the lines of people had formed outside the mansion club. A red carpet guarded by a lady with a clipboard led from the mansion's entrance to a wide grassy path. Rufus led his crowd of revellers into a pitched tent, which was fixed on the mansion's grass. Once they were all inside, they gasped at its deceptively large interior. A semicircle counter wrapped around the tent's circumference. Above its curving solid oak counter towered shelves of fine silk and linen garments. Busily attending customers, a couple of sleek staff members hurried between a service gap. Katie and Betsy sat on a soft, cream backless leather sofa positioned under the centre tent pole. Discreetly, they caught glimpses of themselves in several freestanding mirrors. Men, good to see you, Rupert sung towards the tailors. Oh, Rupert, good to see you, sir, said the thin tailor to the left. He wore a prestige green sapphire waistcoat with a silver pocket watch. Ha ha. Did he say, sire? 
asked Alec. Ah, ha, ha, no, but I like it. Heathwood, in future, address me as Sire, Rupert said mischievously to the tailor. Give me a time-rise and throw in some Jimmy Choo's and I'll call you what you want, even King Posh Pants if you like. Oh, stop it, you are a devil. If anyone is going to have those earth shoes, it's me. When Daddy fancies a long vacation, I'll sneak a raise for you. And I'll change your labels from Mummy's Ruffio to Sire, said Heathwood with a smirk. Rupert cleared his throat to clear his blushing red face and said, Well then, ladies and gentlemen, let's get you suited and booted. Katie and Betsy rushed around with their very own tailor and tried on many outfits. The others, sharing just Heathwood between them all, watched despondently. All apart from Betsy and Katie were soon dressed in Festavia's finest garments. Extra fairies were called in to help dress the group. They reached the highest shelves to get the finest of accessories. Wraith was dressed in a fine silk martial arts tunic. He felt very proud. Flash had managed to find a purple three-piece suit and a cane with an emerald on top. Lynx was dressed in a multicoloured outfit, which changed its colour to reflect his mood. Katie and Betsy were far from ready. They had enlisted four fairies and two tailors to fetch and carry outfits for them. Wraith said with an impending frustration, Come on, ladies, we shall miss the party. Just a moment, said Katie, whilst tilting her head and striking a pose in a full-length mirror. You've been saying that for many moments. Mikey leaned into Wraith's ear and whispered, You haven't had a girlfriend before, have you? Wraith gave a shy expression, which Mikey read as no, and said, They always take ages. The trick is to say, I'm just going to wait outside. That usually speeds them up. Wraith judged Mickey as a man with vast experience of women's dressing habits. He tried to reply, but Mickey interrupted, Make sure that you say it pragmatically, but not moodily. Wraith looked confused and hesitated, so Mickey said to him, Honey, we're going outside. See you shortly. Betsy replied, No, honey, I'll only be a few more moments, I promise. No problem, we'll be just outside. It's not too cold. The group thanked the fairies and tailors for their hard work and ambled outside. Mickey looked at Wraith and said, Wait for it. After a few moments scurrying in high heels, which were heard bouncing from the temporary wooden floor inside the tent, Betsy appeared, followed by Katie. Betsy said, I can't have my baby waiting outside in the cold. I'm ready now. Mickey hugged and kissed Betsy and complimented her outfit. Betsy grinned with appreciation. Mickey whispered to Wraith, It works every time. Lynx widened his smile and said to the embracing couple, I can feel your love. Katie watched Mickey and Betsy intently. She was intrigued. She'd never had a boyfriend before. The group congregated outside the tent and admired each other. Katie felt great and talked to each member with a buoyant enthusiasm. Alec told her she looked like an earth princess and Ajax nodded and said, You scrub up well. No compliment was given by Wraith.